0: There was no television in Siwatanejo. My father looked forward to my returning home with daily reports from town. I taught the owner of the pool hall how to speak English in exchange for free play. I got pretty good at carambola, billiards, and also eight ball and dominoes. Hanging out with the locals every day, I heard about most everything that was going on in Siwatanejo. I remember how I raced up the steps, screaming one day, I just witnessed murderers doing horrible things in the jungle. I had taken a different route back from school and gotten lost. And it was then that I came upon the masked man with the huge machete slicing the throat of a poor animal, then puncturing its heart, causing blood to shoot everywhere. Nearby gutters filled with blood in seconds. He had looked at me and laughed loudly before plunging the blade, dripping with blood, back into the soft folds of the flesh surrounding the animal's still beating heart. The screams and the moans were terrifying. Once safely home, I demanded that we call the police and have these bastards arrested immediately. After careful questioning, it was determined that I had stumbled onto the local slaughterhouse. I was confused. My father asked, well, Roger, where do you think hamburgers come from? Where do you think bacon comes from? I was stunned. Slowly, I started to make the connection. I was teased about it long afterward. I refused to eat meat for, I don't know, a couple of days, but soon forgot all about it. I also reported to my father about the cockfights And the winos who lined up there at the supermercado. About which there was nothing super in the least. Each morning they waited impatiently for the ladle to hit their empty bottle. Faster service came from the chinos across the street, but they didn't sell wine or beer. The Mexican store owner hated the chinos. Chinos were always open. They didn't have the decency to close for the mandatory daily siesta those who worked hard were despised for their enterprise. The tequila nuts fascinated me. They slept in the street until the policia came by with the giant steel nutcrackers, snatching them up by their wrists and hauling them off to jail. Tequila nuts said and did the funniest things. There was always good material coming from the barber shop. The barber was cool with me, but also quite strict with me. Everybody on Main Street knew I was his friend, so I was treated fairly. His wife was pretty. She loved my sense of humor. She would rock back and forth in the chair and tease me, carrying on about the girls at school and what they had said about me. I loved our chats. The barber routinely gave me free haircuts and money, too, so I could get a can of tuna fish and crackers next door at the supermercado. I used to sit on the wooden barrels and eat my lunch down in Orange Fanta and listen to all the gossip. The store owner always saved me a few fresh bolillos. His brother was the guy who brought us the one and two pound lobsters most evenings. And I hung out on Main uh, Street most of the day. And finally, I learned how to be a waiter at the main restaurant because I spoke English. Now, I wasn't really a waiter, but I'd been promised a job, and I kind of figured out what they were doing there and how to do it, but I had to go work for the carpenter in his shop. I wasn't old enough to work in the restaurant. I loved hanging around the dock near all the boats and all the fishermen. They were, hands down, the greatest storytellers in town. And thanks to them, I regularly got an earful, which my father appreciated immensely. There was the fast talker who came into town and milked the townspeople out of a bunch of money. He was found later hanging from a rope in the coconut plantation. There was the homosexual who lured me into his boat to go fishing. He didn't try anything because I broke uh, uh, my, my one and only corn tamale in half and gave it to him. I could tell he was nervous. Probably about to make a mistake of some sort, but the whole Mexican la mitad ritual... With my tamale, the way I delivered that, it just threw him off balance. We didn't catch any fish. We returned to shore pretty quickly after that. My dad was super pissed. He made it clear many, many times that I was never to be alone with that guy. Ever. I thought, what's the big deal? I just want to catch some fish. I frequented Las Gatas Beach to hang out with the occasional tourists in town. And this was the kind of intel my father prized. I was friendly with the Frenchman who taught me to scuba dive. I used to scout the new uh, yacht tourists. I'd hit Playa de la Ropa, home of the fanciest hotel in all of Cihuatanejo. This is where I brought tourists who arrived by car late in the afternoon. This was, uh, Playa de la Ropa was by far the best beach in Cihuatanejo. And I loved riding up and down uh, the cliff in the cable car that they had. It was fun to chase the crabs down by the mouth of the river. I had many, many business adventures. I made turtle shell coffee tables. I dove for urchins so I could sell the little bits of orange meat to the yachts. Occasionally, I got to wait on tables. I operated a water taxi. And of course, I was an American, English-speaking coyote extraordinaire. Sometimes I'd get to go water skiing or deep-sea fishing for marlin or visit various not-too-distant islands. Occasionally we'd get to hunt pheasant or wild boar in the nearby mountains. It seemed to me that if I just kept moving from place to place throughout the day and greeted everybody along the way, I'd always end up with cool stuff to do. It was different each and every day. Sometimes I'd read books in the hammock like my old man did. My dad always started our day after breakfast on the veranda with, Well, Raj, looks just like another shitty day in paradise. I'd hike up the hill and I'd check on the hippies, who seemed to always be having problems. They would ask me all these stupid questions, but I answered them honestly. They, they say to me they couldn't remember what I explained to them about Siwatana Hill the last time I'd seen them. But anyway, I couldn't figure out why they would call mota or marijuana shit. These idiots walked through town, stopping locals and saying stuff like, Hey man, do you know where I can get some good shit? Mierda? Well, sure, but the locals were mystified by these strange-looking gringo wannabe farmers who apparently needed some really good manure. The captain of the army, now he was a little smarter, he would plant the marijuana plants in plain view in his yard. And he grew the plants really, really tall, so anybody walking by could see them easily from Main Street. He caught many a hippie in his yard this way. It was so much easier than hiking up the hill to shake them down. He also put zigzag papers for sale really, really cheap in the supermercado. And then he had a kid sit on the sidewalk all day. The kid earned five pesos for following the hippies who bought the papers. Then the kid would report back to the captain with their location. I played football on the beach every day, and I had my lessons from my correspondence school. And I went to public school. Most evenings, I went to the movies. The movies were shown outdoors on the back of the church. We all sat in wooden benches, worn smooth by many odd-sized ass. Everybody talked throughout the entire film. Guys came up and down the aisles selling food. One U.S. dollar bought me admission to a double feature, subtitled in Spanish, For the American films, twenty chicken tacos, three Fontas, five ears of corn soaked in lime and Chile, a bunch of little flans in tiny plastic cups, some hard candy. It was just a social event with a couple films thrown in for good measure. After the movies, I'd hang out on Main Street and watch these guys lose their money night after night after night in this card game. They played this. Ridiculous little card game. had weird dark pictures on them. The Grim Reaper. The game was so popular. It was a scam, but they played anyway. Eventually, after uh, enjoying a couple churros, I would make my way back up the hill and onto our expansive veranda overlooking our private cove. Good fortune had befallen us with our second home in Siwatanejo. The architect from Mexico City was broke by the time he finally finished hauling the last brick and expensive tile up the hill by Burro. Our home was spacious and rich with detail. Dad made a ridiculously low offer, which the gentleman from Mexico City had to accept. We were the only gringos in town. We moved into our our, our palace, the first people to ever live there, with a maid and a gardener. Their salaries and the rent totaled a whopping $75 a month. After relaying the details of the day to my father, he'd ask me questions to tighten up my storytelling skills and then send me to bed. Jazz, samba, bossa nova played softly into the stillness of the tropical night. He swung back and forth in his hammock, gazing up at the moon and marveling at my adventures. One night, in the company of a lady that I did not know, he spoke of how proud he was of me. I couldn't believe my ears. I was supposed to be asleep. I was shocked that my dad would tell such a bold-faced lie. He couldn't possibly be proud of me. I must have misheard. Surely he was talking about somebody else.